Do you want to build a business that's based on your lifestyle? Well, in this interview, Mark Podolsky, he's done exactly that. He's built an amazing land flipping business, and we get into some of his success secrets, some of the ways that he thinks about life and thinks about business building in this episode. You're not going to want to miss it. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am very excited to have Mark Podolsky in the studio today. How are you doing, Mark? Even pulse is normal. Respiration's fine. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. What a geeky response and no, no surprise there from the land geek himself who is an authority on buying and selling raw land and has been doing it for almost two decades. And he's been actively investing in real estate and raw land has completed over 5,000 transactions. And he's also the host of two podcasts, The Art of Passive Investing and The Land Geek Podcast. I know I'm excited, guys. Let's dive into it. You ready, Mark? Steven, I'm ready. Now that podcast is The Art of Passive Income Podcast, not Passive Investing. Obviously, you've done quite a bit, a lot of transactions here, but why don't we start out by taking a look back? What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? So my dad was a workaholic and he worked with his dad, my grandfather, as a wholesale grocer. And I remember sort of, you know, he'd come home instead of hanging out, he'd go back to work. And it went like that all the time for my entire childhood. And I remember thinking, man, it'd be nice if he wasn't working all the time. He would say to me, hey, you know, this is what you have to do. Get a good education, get a good job, work hard. And I took the best aspects of that advice, but I thought, well, what if I worked a little smarter? What would that look like? And so, that really sort of helped form this idea of solving these two big issues we have in life, time and money. So I can always make more money. I can't get more time, which is why I created these geeky systems where today I've got this machine where I'm only working two hours a week. I mean, that's pretty incredible to be able to go from growing up in a household where dad's working like a madman just working, working, working. And the belief he had was that he had to work hard and put in a lot of time in order to support his family. But it sounds like you have a different belief. Oh, I, I do. I, I, I really think that the real value of life, when you look at just you know people on their, on their deathbed and their regrets, is, is really the quality of their relationships. And so I always think to myself, well, if I'm working all the time or I'm stressed out all the time and I'm worried about money and I'm anxious, how is that going to affect my relationships? So Monday and Friday, I totally take off. Those are what I call my terminal days. And I just think to myself, well, this is my last day on earth and I don't know when that's going to be. How do I want to spend it? And inevitably, it's usually you know, meditating, working out, reading, 
having coffee with my wife, maybe having lunch with my wife or lunch with a buddy, taking the kids to school, picking them up, you know, cooking dinner together as a family and just being together and really being completely present with my family and friends. I mean, what an incredible way to live. I feel like whenever I talk to new investors, whenever I talk to extremely experienced investors, what everybody says is, I want financial freedom. But below that really is, I want to be able to do what I want when I want. And I want to be able to really live and really enjoy those little moments because it's those little moments that end up mattering the most. And so you've created a life that you can actually do that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what your primary focus is as an investor and how you've designed your business to support that lifestyle. Right, so the business is really designed to take this asset, raw land, and make it cash flow. So essentially, you know, Stephen, where do you live? I live in Denver, Colorado. Okay, you're in Denver. So let's pretend that you own 20 acres in Texas and you owe $200 in back taxes. Well, you are sort of advertising two things. I mean, number one, you've no emotional attachment to that raw land. And number two, you're distressed financially in some way because you haven't paid your taxes. And we don't pay for things. We don't value them in the same way. So all I do is I look at the comps for the last 12 to 18 months on that 20-acre parcel. And then all I do is divide by four for the lowest comp. And that gets me what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. And I just send you an offer on that property. So let's say the lowest comp is 10 grand then I'm gonna send you an offer of $2,500. So you accept it because for you, $2,500 is better than nothing. And in reality, three to 5% of people accept my quote unquote top dollar offer, go through due diligence, everything checks out. I own it now for $2,500. And then I'm gonna sell it in 30 days because Steve and I have a built-in best buyer. Do you know who it is? The neighbors. You got it, it's the neighbors. So I sent out those neighbor letters saying, hey, here's your opportunity you know, expand your holdings, protect your privacy, protect your views. Oftentimes the neighbors will buy it. Then if they pass, I'll go to my buyer's list. If they pass, I'll go to, you know, Craigslist, or Facebook, landmoto.com, landsofamerica.com, all these land selling platforms. But the way that I sell it is I'm going to ask for a $2,500 down payment. So I get my money out on the down or I might go six months out. And then I just make it a car payment, let's say $449 a month, 9% interest over the next 84 months. So it's a one-time sale. I get my money out and then I've got this passive income note of $449 a month, the next 84 months, no renters, no rehabs, no renovations, no rodents. And the game we play then is can we create enough of these notes where our passive income exceeds our fixed expenses? And now we're working because we want to, not because we have to. I mean, that's such a smart model because you're taking out all the things from real estate that are really challenging. You're really covering all of your downside by getting all that money back, but then you're creating this recurring income that keeps coming in for many months, years into the future at you know a 9% return. I mean, that's a, great, that's a great interest rate as well as the upside that you gained off of that property. Yeah, no, our, our average ROI on a terms deal is 700 to 1,000%. So tell me, have you always been doing this kind of real estate or were you doing a different type of investing before you discovered land? No, I mean, I'm, I'm an inch wide and a mile deep. I've only invested in raw land. I tried flipping a house once with a buddy and it was miserable. Literally, like I, 
I, don't, I can't even screw in a light bulb. It's the most emasculating thing ever. Like I've got my handyman on, on speed dial. I really have no business owning a home. I really have no business even, you know, thinking about flipping a house and I'm meeting the subcontractors of the house and they might as well be speaking Korean to me. I had no idea what was going on. They could have been ripping me off price wise. I don't know. But when I factored in my time, like we made a hundred grand on that flip. But when I factored in my time, like I broke even on that deal. So really, you know, the time that it takes for land, because it's so scalable and it's so automated, it's a much better model for me personally. No, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And as you were kind of getting started, what were some of the biggest challenges that you ran into moving from whatever you were doing before you started investing into actually doing what you do now? Well, I think for me, the, the biggest challenge initially was just believing in it because I'd go to these tax deed auctions and I started in 2000, quit my job in 2001, but I'd have these conversations with my buddies, my wife, like this, this is not sustainable. I have an investment banking background. So I'd be looking at companies all day long and mergers and acquisitions and, and very analytical with all of that. I'm like, this is, these margins are not sustainable because, you know, I was averaging a 300% margin and, I thought, well, you know, at the end of the day, as competition comes in, the market's going to become more efficient. And I thought, oh, at the end of the day, this is a 30% margin business at best, but it's just sustained. And it's just weird how inefficient the market is. So I think in the beginning, my biggest challenge was, can I continue doing this and growing this and really treating it like an actual business? And it took me a long time to stop treating it like a job where I did everything and then scale it and grow it and create systems, software, inexpensive virtual assistants to really get out of the business. And for me, I had superhero syndrome and I thought, oh, no one can do this as well as me. I mean, I, I had to have a mentor, you know, really hit me over the head because I didn't want to let go of anything. So that was, that was a challenge as well. Scaling it was a challenge. So, okay, obviously scaling is a challenge. You had this realization that you needed to step out of the business. What allowed you or what was that moment where you changed your belief from thinking there's no way this is ever going to last to this is a business that I'm going to build a life around? I did a big deal in Nevada. And in that deal, just that one deal, I made over $5 million. You know, this is between 2003 and, and 2008. So I thought, oh, well, this is, this is a good business. It's, it's sustaining itself. The margins are, are maintaining. There's no competition. This is like the most unloved real estate niche there is. Like you're not going to HGTV or the DIY network and see flip this land. It's just me in front of my computer before pictures raw land, after pictures raw land. So I think that was really the, the point where once I saw the, the sustainability of it, and plus just the margins staying stable, I thought, okay, now I can reinvest and really take this to the next level. I mean, once you make a serious amount of money, it's kind of almost like it proves it to yourself. You're a pretty logical person. So you've got to get to that point of logically proving yourself. And I think that's such a good reminder for listeners is to know, you know, are you a person that is that needs that logical proof? Or are you someone who is sold emotionally? Because you have to understand how you're going to sell yourself 
for you to go out and try something new. So if you're going to decide, hey, today's the day that I'm going to jump into real estate, I'm going to go all out. Mark's the guy that I'm going to go and learn from, or I'm going to go and follow some of these tactics that he's using. You have to know yourself, well, what is it going to take for me to be able to persist? What is it going to take for me to be able to stay in the game for the long term? And that first step is selling yourself on, hey, this is actually going to work. I can do this. I'm qualified. I'm capable. This idea can work. So you have to know, like, are you going to be sold emotionally or is it going to take lots of logic? And then you have to just put that in front of yourself. And maybe you won't be able to have a $5 million deal yourself right away, but you can look at others, people like Mark, who have gone and done a big deal on their own. And you can say, hey, this is the proof that I need that I can do it too. Absolutely. So tell me where people fail the most when they're getting started with something new, like rolling out a system to go out and buy land like you're talking about. Yeah, it's such a good question because there's so many factors that go into success or failure. I personally believe that it is expectations where people go in, they're super excited and it's like hockey, right? If, if, you, if you're playing hockey, the first time you lose a tooth and you get knocked down, you really have to love hockey enough to get back up. And I think the same thing with any entrepreneurial endeavor where you've got to love it enough to get back up when you inevitably get knocked down. And I think having that grit, that persistence is really the difference between people that succeed and fail. Because if you let go of the timeline and you know, if I could continue doing this, because I'm no rocket scientist, like if I can do it, anybody can do it. But I think once you get to that point where you get your reps in, you have competence, and you just keep working it and working it, inevitably, you'll hit the success. I find people that they think, well, I should be really closing tons of deals by this time. And if it doesn't happen, oh, this sucks. You know, screw it, ATM investing or, you know, whatever. They go on to the next thing and it, that cycle sort of continues. And so tell me this, where is it that people develop this grit? Like some people have it, some people don't, but in your opinion, where does it come from? How do they start adding it to their life? That's a really good question. I, th I think it starts when you're a kid, you know, just learning frustration tolerance when you're doing a math problem, right? Were your parents there? Were they saying you can do it? Or did they swoop in and save you? Did you kind of give up and did someone say, oh, that's okay. You know, you'll, you'll get it again. I think it starts in math, honestly because math is so logical. And for most people, you kind of hit that point in school where something isn't easy for you. And you start to develop it as a kid and it kind of goes through. And that's where I think it really starts. Now, if you had parents who rescued you too quickly, then as an adult, it's going to be a challenge. But look, that's where being an adult is great because you can have this self-awareness and know, oh, well, Here's something that's not easy for me. I can work on this. You know, I can watch YouTube videos of Tony Robbins and mindset, listen to Steven's podcast, get motivated and just have the self-awareness. Okay, well, if the problem takes me two minutes and I feel like giving up, I'll set the timer for five minutes and I'll start slowly building up my frustration tolerance with all these things in life that I just want to give up on. It's such a good point because I feel like a lot of people, when they hear that, 
you know, it definitely comes from experiences in your life where things were hard, but you realize that you can overcome these challenges. And when it happens when you're young, it really gets set into your identity. But that doesn't mean if you grew up in a place where you had helicopter parents or situations that didn't give you that challenge that you can't create those opportunities for yourself right now by going and trying something new. Yeah. I mean, Carol Dweck has an amazing book uh, just called Mindset, talking about the growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And I think once you really start to embrace this growth mindset that you know, you're not bad at math, you're not bad at anything, you're just going to start working at it and, and growing slowly, then that's really where I think you bridge that gap from not having a lot of grit to I've got grit because I've built up enough self-esteem doing all these things that are hard that I know that I can accomplish really just about anything that I, I set my mind to. Tell me, Mark, how would you define success and what is success to you? So to me, success are the three things that money can't buy, which is a calm mind, a loving household, right? Just good relationships and a fit body. So these are the three things I think that really improve our lives. And then you can say, I'm a success. You got great relationships with your family, your spouse, your kids. That's about as good as it gets. But if you're sick all the time, you can't really enjoy those relationships. You can't really, you know, go out there and, you know, eat from the buffet of life. So you got to have that fit body. But if you're anxious all the time, and even if we're talking like we are, Stephen, right now, but I'm thinking about this deal, and I'm not fully present. I don't have a calm mind. These are things like, you know, that's why I meditate every day. I use this app called the Waking Up app. It's amazing. It's, it's life-changing. So the three things I think that money can't buy, a calm mind, house of love, a fit body, to me, you get all three of those in, that trifecta. I think for, for me, that's true success. What a beautiful definition of success. Looking at it from your definition, do you feel successful? I think for me, I feel that I know each day what I want to try to achieve. Whether or not I achieve it that day is certainly up for debate. I mean, even last night, I'm, I'm driving my daughter home from dance and she's talking to me about her ballet move and I could, I could sense like, oh my gosh, I just got lost in thought. I mean, you know, I only have a finite number of interactions with these kids. And here I am, I'd, I was lost in thought with this potentially great interaction where she's excited about something, but I'm, I'm thinking about something else. I'm there, but I'm not there. So yeah, I mean, I try to do it. Not every day would I say I'm successful. I work out six days a week and I work out really hard, but you know, I've got a Peloton and I've got a personal trainer and you know, I stretch, I do all these things, but yeah, I'm going on spring break. You know, I'm probably not going to eat that great. So yeah, there's there's no need yeah, to be perfect, nice. of course, right? Yeah, I By think I think means. I'm aware of it, and I I try every day, and I do these things every day, where I try to do it and I try to be successful with it. But yeah, I'm a work in progress. Okay, so you were starting to share some of your habits, and you mentioned a couple that are pretty important. So why don't you tell us, what are some of your keystone habits, the things you do on a daily or weekly basis that have led to this foundation of success? 
Yeah. So I think the habit that's really moved the needle the most in my life is meditation. I spend at least 20 minutes a day, every day, seven days a week, meditating and taking that time to just be aware of being aware. So that's the first one. I think the second habit I have is, you know, I have a solid workout habit. I want to sweat every day and it feels great to do that. And then the third habit is just connecting with my family and my friends in some way. You know, obviously I take that time Mondays and Fridays in a, in a very deep way, but even just the rest of the week, just knowing in the back of my mind, I have a finite number of interactions with everyone and really every moment is precious. Yeah. So I want to point something out to the listeners and I, I hope that you guys pick this up on your own, but if you notice that Mark's definition of success is a calm mind, a loving household and a fit body, and then the habits that he is doing on a regular basis is meditating, is being intentional when he's talking to his loved ones and being present for those, and then sweating every single day. So he is directly taking action to ensure that he hits success. And so I hope that you guys can define what success is to you and then start to model this behavior and start to figure out what's that one action that I can take on a regular basis that is going to actually get me to feel successful. Don't you think that's a great idea, Mark? I do. And you know, it depends on where you are in life. Because if you asked me this 10 years ago, I'd say success is having more passive income than, than my fixed expenses. So yeah. it really just depends where you are in life. And, um, but I think that those goals do change as you get older, as you hit midlife. You know, there's a great book I just read by David Brooks called The Second Mountain. We're the first mountain. We're in our 20s. We're in our 30s. And they're egoic. I want to achieve, I want to succeed conventional success of money and things and grow up, you know, this, this family and look good. And then you kind of get up to that mountain and you achieve all those things. You're like, is this it? And then that second mountain is more about community. It's about giving. Like, like I can see behind you, the go-giver, you know, giving back and, and doing those things that are very, very difficult to do and sort of unsung, but really provide you with, with true, you know, I wouldn't say happiness, but true joy. You know, volunteering certainly some days doesn't make me happy, but it does provide joy. Yeah, I love that. And it doesn't matter what your goals are. If, if you're at a place where you don't have any money, then that's going to be a key piece to be able to feel fulfilled in some of these other places. But this has been great. We made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but your answers don't need to be. So Mark, tell me what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now? I'm really excited. Uh, well, I just finished The Second Mountain. But the book that I'm, I'm excited about right now, Words That Change Minds. So it's like NLP for everybody. This neuro-linguistic programming for everybody. Words That Change Minds I'm excited about. I've never heard of it. I'm adding that to my uh, reading list. I love it. Yeah. So from an inspiration standpoint, what impact have mentors made in your life and how do you go about or recommend finding a great mentor? So finding a great mentor is looking at somebody that you, like they're their model, right? This is who I want to be in every aspect of life. That to me is a great mentor that can smart cut your road to whatever that road is. 
So if you want to be a great real estate investor, find the best real estate investor in your town. To me, that's a great mentor. If you want to have uh, you know, an amazing relationship with your spouse, find someone who's got an amazing relationship with their spouse. Like, How do they fight? What do they do? How do they resolve these inevitable conflicts? What's their philosophy of relationships? That person would be a great person to find. So whoever is, is doing what you want to do in a way that you eventually want to get to, I think that makes a great mentor. But I certainly am all in on mentors and just smart cutting that process. Mm. It makes such a big difference to find somebody that you can learn from, even you know, like all of your students looking up to you and seeing the life that you've created and then going out and creating it for themselves. So you know, in closing, purpose, what drives you to live your best life every day? I want to be a good ancestor. I want to die and I want to know I'm, I'm going to be a good ancestor. In three generations, no one's going to remember me. Look, at the end of the day, whatever I do, whatever I don't do, I'm the, the big, in the big scheme of things. But for the people that I can impact, especially with my family, my friends, I want that legacy to continue through the bloodline and just be a good ancestor. So be purposeful in everything that I do, thinking, okay, long-term, how's this going to impact everyone. I love that. Well, thanks for sharing so much with us. Thanks for sharing a little bit about how you've gotten where you've gotten and the way that you think about success in life. Tell us where can people find out more about you or get in touch? Yeah, I think the, the best place to go is the landgeek.com forward slash investor mindset. Because right there, we've got a $97 product called the passive income launch kit that I'd love to offer your listeners for free. So the landgeek.com forward slash investor mindset. Great. Go check that out if this speaks to you and uh, look forward to the next time we get to hang out, Mark. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it. Remember, guys, go live a life worth inspiring others. And you can start today by applying some of the stuff that Mark shared with us. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.